Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. This would seem to be really the most important holiday in the Bible. Uh, the pilgrims at Plymouth Rock celebrated it. Did you know that? In Zechariah, Zechariah uh, the prophet, chapter 14, verse 16, it says, It shall come to pass that all the survivors from all the nations that attacked Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king. So this holiday is really the Lord as king. Adonai Tzavaot, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies. God is the God of the Lord of armies. He has all sorts of armies at his, his disposal. And they went up not just to worship the king, but and to celebrate Sukkot. And furthermore, if any of the nations on earth do not go up to, to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, they will have no rain. So if they don't go up to Jerusalem to worship the Lord and to pray for where we're, you know, during this holiday, at the end of the holiday, there's prayer in, in Israel. It's still happening. You're praying for rain, for the coming rainy season. Very important. And without no rain, no water, no survival, uh, God says they'll be punished for no, not having rain. And he repeats it in Zechariah chapter 14, verses uh, 16 through uh, 18 there. And I, I love the fact that you know, it didn't hit me till a few years ago looking at this that these are the survivors, it says, of those that attacked Jerusalem. They get a, another chance. You know, this is redemption really at work. God's saying, you know, the surviving attackers become worshipers. Isn't that amazing? Uh, God forgives them. You know, he, he welcomes them. He says, you've attacked, but now you're welcome. They're worshiping God. They've had a, turn, a turnabout face, and uh, that's amazing. So... Um, but if this is the case, this is going to happen in the future, how much more should we be learning about this holiday now and observing it now, right? During this time of year, let's really remind ourselves to be grateful and to be thankful. Uh, that's what one of the things about this holiday. Express it to God. So, Father, we just pray you would help us today. Open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word as we conclude this holiday uh, celebration uh, this weekend, B'Shem Yeshua, and speak to us now, we pray, open our hearts, amen. We are to be grateful and thankful, and that's important to show it to God and to one another. You know, the vertical and the horizontal, both ways are both so important. Let the shalom of Messiah rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3.15 says, and we sang it earlier, Hodu Ladonai. Let's say it. Hodu Ladonai Kito Kileolam Chazdo. One more time. 
Odu Ladonai Kitov, Ki Leolam Chazdo. Many tunes you can write to that. And it's one phrase that's easy to say in Hebrew and it's beautiful. It's said many times. One place is Psalm 107, verse 1. Thanks be to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His chesed, his chazdo, his, his loyal covenant love, his grace, his loving kindness. It's really his devotion. It's such an amazing word in Hebrew. Uh, it endures forever. It is forever. Le'olam. It is forever. And it says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, but thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Why thanks be to God? Who in Messiah always, not sometimes, but always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of himself everywhere. Let's think about that verse for a minute. That Paul says in a letter which he is speaking from a place of much suffering, by the way, and encountering a lot of suffering. And he says, Thanks, we can give thanks to God. Why? Why? Not because we don't have suffering, but we're thankful because in Messiah, he always, through it, leads us in triumphal procession. And what happens? Through us, think about these words, through us spreads the fragrance. You know, there's fragrances through these species, the four species, these that as we were up here, wherever they went, there I guess with the kids, uh, the, those the, the uh, myrtle and the hadad, the all these the, these uh, elements of the the, the, in the but in the sukkah you have all the fragrances, and if you're in Israel, you smell the fragrances everywhere of the of the sukkot, the, the sukkahs all over, and also the foods being prepared, and we are the fragrance of the knowledge of Himself, of the Lord, everywhere, everywhere, that fragrance that comes through us, through us, uh, because he is coming through us. But we need to express our thanksgiving not just to God, but to one another. It really means so much when we express thanksgiving to each other. I fail at that a lot, honestly. I, I know I do. And uh, God forgive me, and, I, and you forgive me, please. But, you know, when we express thanksgiving to someone, it really means a lot. Just a simple thank you, right? Uh, it just takes ten, a few seconds sometimes, or 10 or 15 seconds to say Thank you to someone in an email or a text. doesn't take long. Just say thank you. And 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 1, 2 and 3, we always give thanks to God for you all, uh, for all of you, Paul says, for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. And actually, I remember a, Greek, a study I did on that, and, and it was mentioning in the Greek, it's as, that he thanked God for each one of them continually remembering before God I love these three things your before God and our father our God and father your work of faith your labor of love and your steady translates to your steadiness or steadfastness of hope in our Lord Yeshua the Messiah the work of faith labor of love and steadfastness of hope faith right love let's say it faith love and hope. And remember, faith means is really uh, trust. You know, it's trust. Faith, love, and hope. Three things that remain, that abide. 1 Corinthians 13. Faith, love, hope. But the greatest of these is love. Amen. Amen. So, 1 Corinthians 13. So, just taking that time, Paul says, I thank my God for you at every, at every memory of you. I thank my God at every memory of you 
Now, the word sukkah means to view or to see. And we need to view from a different vantage point. We need to see differently than the world sees. We need to see differently from the way our flesh sees. We need to see differently from our limited viewpoint. We need to see from God's viewpoint. We need to have a new view, right? We need a different seeing, to see through the eyes of the sukkah booth, in a sense. The stars, to see the stars like Abraham did. Think about what happens when you see the stars. You, th- you realize how small we are. We realize how small we are and how great God is. How short life is here and how we're part of something much greater. There's so much we realize. We, and that you're supposed to be able to see the stars, you know, see the sky and the stars through the sukkah. That's, you know, Abraham looked up at the stars and God said, so shall your ascendants be in Genesis 15, remember? He said, and, and, uh, and uh, there was so much pollution, he said, I'm going to have three descendants? No, no. <laughs> I always think of, think of if that happened in this day and age. But no, it didn't. And he saw probably so many stars and he said, what? Impossible. And God said, yeah, impossible. I do the impossible. So many stars. He saw so many stars, you know. Uh, it's like the last time I think I experienced seeing a lot of stars was years, many years ago, but we went up to Maine, you know, and we were, up, we were overnight in Maine, and you look up in that sky in Maine, state of Maine, and wow, you just saw so many stars. That's the amazing thing. We need a different viewpoint, and we need to see through God's viewpoint. We must not see as man sees. First Samuel 16, 7, for he does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Now listen to what this means in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, this says this. I was looking at the Hebrew. It says, for man, it says, says, he doesn't see, man does not see it as God's. Man looks at the outward appearance. Man looks at the, he sees toward the, it could be into, within the eyes, it says. But Adonai sees into the heart. He sees into or towards or within the heart. In other words, it can translate, man sees with the eyes, but God sees with the heart. Man sees with the eyes. This is the Hebrew. But God sees with the heart. It could also read this way. Man sees into the eyes, but God sees into the heart. And both ways are great, aren't they? God sees into the heart, whereas we, human, and our natural human, tends to just see into the eyes. God sees much deeper into the heart. And of course, that was when God was speaking over Samuel, with Samuel. So I need to be able to see with the heart and into the heart. And this only can happen through the power of the Spirit of God. And this holiday teaches us a little about that. Sukkah, to see, to view, a different seeing. For in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his sukkah, in his booth, Psalm 27 says. In his sukkah, he'll conceal me in the shelter of his tent and set me high, high upon a rock. Then will my head be high above my enemies round me. In his tabernacle, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. 
I will sing, yes, sing praises to Adonai. A different seeing, a different view, a different view. Yeshua said, through, when he was surrounded by uh, sukkah booths in Jerusalem, he said, I'm with you only a little while longer, and then I'm going to the one who sent me. That's my favorite verse, I think, in that John 7 passage when he's during Sukkot and he was in Jerusalem. He went up to Jerusalem during Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot and he says, I'm just here a little while longer and then I'm going to the one who sent me. You know, and all, all you see right now, if you go to Jerusalem, where Edward is right now, you know, you'd see, you'd see booths everywhere, just in, like in balconies and the you know, apartments, everywhere, puts just little booths everywhere, booths everywhere. Through the dwelling in the sukkah, we have a different view, a different view. We see the temporal in the light of the eternal. And that's what Yeshua is saying. 2 Corinthians 4 says, verse 16 and so on says, Through, Though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is what? Eternal. Eternal. For we know, verse chapter 5, that if this tent, our earthly home, is torn down, because this, is, this body is a tent. We have a, an eternal spirit. You have an eternal soul or spirit living in, that, in, the, in your body. We know this tent, our earthly home, is torn down. We have a building from God eternal in the heavens. For we groan while we are in this tent, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So whether at home or absent, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of the Messiah. So this holiday teaches intimacy with God, intimacy with one another, the ush pizin, the guests we have at our Sukkot, the invisible guests, the, the real guests and the invisible guests, but Traditions of always inviting others, uh, inviting others as much as you can to join you. And it teaches not only intimacy with our God and with, with, with each other, but also uh, it teaches simplicity. Psalm 131 says, you know, I, I, I rest like a child, a, a, a um, child from his mother, you know, um, nursing, nursing in his mother's mother. You know, I'm, I'm like, a, that's, I'm like a child, Psalm 131, you know. My heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters. That's simplicity, Psalm 131. is a beautiful psalm to read. The simplicity of the sukkah. Now, remember, there were two commandments. Uh, turn over to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8, two commandments, main commandments regarding sukkot. There are still, two, which is for the, the whole week that's ending tomorrow night. To take the branches and rejoice, samach, and to make the booths and dwell in them, yashav. So let's say samach and yashav. Good. Samach, one more time. And yashav. All right. Rejoice and dwell, or rejoice and relax. It's an easy way to remember it. Rejoice and relax. And I love this story. Maybe my favorite story here is this story in Nehemiah chapter 8, where they rediscovered... Sukkot, or rediscovered maybe the proper way of observing it. We're not sure. Historians would, could, would differ on maybe 
there's room for, for variation, you know, of how it was, what hap was happening here. But uh, this is quite an amazing story. And we, it says on the second day, Nehemiah 8, verse 13, on the second day, the heads of the families, along with the Kohanim and the Levites, gathered around Ezra to ponder, to sechel, the Hebrew word sechel, to, to understand the words of the Torah that they're listening to. And so they found written in the Torah of, that Adonai had commanded through Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in Sukkot during the feast of the seventh month. So they, they discover, they're rediscovering it here. Whoa, oh, we're supposed to, to dwell in it. We're supposed to sit in the sukkah. We're supposed to uh, or reside in the sukkah. Again, this word yashav can mean to settle, means in the Hebrew to settle down, to dwell in peace. So it can be translated sit, remain, live, stay, inhabit, all those words. So they rediscovered, and so they that, that, so that they should proclaim so that they should proclaim and spread this message in all their towns and in Jerusalem, saying, go out to the hill country and bring olive branches and wild olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of other leafy trees to make Sukkot just as it is written. So the people went out and brought branches and made Sukkot, or booths again, for themselves each on their own roof, love this picture, each on their own roof, in their courtyards, in the courtyards of the house of God, in the plaza uh, before the water gate, and in the plaza of the Ephraim gate, the entire assembly who had returned from the captivity made Sukkot, made booths, and dwelt in the Sukkot, dwelt in the booths. Since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. And the joy was very great. And then day after day, from the first to the last day, he read from the scroll of the Torah of God. So they kept the festival for seven days. And on the eighth day, according to the regulation, there was a solemn assembly. What a beautiful picture. they reading. They discover it. And in simple childlike faith, they immediately implemented it. Just such a beautiful picture, isn't it? They did it in any way they could, anywhere and everywhere, verse 16 says. In all their towns, not just in Jerusalem. Remember, the commandment was to do it in Jerusalem. Not just, but now they did it in all their towns also. So no manner was unwelcome. And notice what they used for branches. I don't know if you noticed this, but some of were not the branch types as commanded, the four species. Did you notice that? At least two, it seems, at least half, were not the ones, the palm, myrtle, citrus, and willow, the four species in Leviticus 23. Two were olive branches, wild olive branches, and wild olive branches, it says. But then also myrtle and palm branches, branches of other leafy trees. And that was okay. That was okay. There weren't some... Legalistic people running over them saying, you can't do it that way. Don't do it that way. You're doing it wrong. No. They were rejoicing to the Lord, doing it and having, rejoicing to the Lord. And they were doing it in simple childlike obedience to God the best way they had. God loves it when we do the best that we can in our hearts to him. Doesn't he? He loves that. He loves that. 
they, had, they hadn't done it since the time of Joshua, verse 17 says. This is probably over a thousand years since they did it as a nation. And that was okay. They hadn't. That's okay. Start doing it now. Don't condemn yourself over how long you haven't done it for. Don't condemn yourself over, this is what believers do. This. You don't, don't start something because you say, oh, I haven't done it right. I haven't, uh, maybe I haven't ever kept, kept Shabbat, so I can't do it because I all these years. No, well, start doing it, what God's leading you to do now. Lead, do it, you know, like the Bill Murray baby steps you know, uh, from that movie. You know, do it, do it as God leads you. In, in the obedience in your heart now, he will bless your, your simple childlike obedience. And now this is interesting because perhaps they had observed it before, but not dwelling in the booths. We don't know. There is no mention or demand of dwelling in the booths in all other passages, like Numbers 29 just mentions sacrifices. Deuteronomy 16, 13 just mentions keeping it seven days, rejoicing in the place God chooses. 1 Kings 8, 2 Chronicles 7, 8, 7, verse 8, Solomon, after dedicating, when he dedicated the temple, mentions keeping it seven days, but doesn't mention dwelling in booths. Ezekiel 45, 25, in the uh, millennial temple, seven days of offerings are mentioned, and it doesn't mention the dwelling in booths. So the holiday seems to have evolved with time. And, and we're not clear, scholars aren't clear, historians aren't clear on at what point they were doing what. But as they discovered what the Word of God said, they implemented it. And that's what's beautiful. Uh, and then this revival was spawned, by the way, by the public reading of the Word of God. Nothing more important uh, than reading the Word of God. God loves, the point is, God loves a simple a heart of a simple, of simple childlike obedience. Not letter of the law adherence. Not letter of the law adherence, but a heart to please God. Amen? Amen. A heart to please God. God. In other words, God says it. Let's do it. That's simple. Let's do it. But what if I'm not doing it the way he did it or she did it? That's okay. That's okay. Do it what's in your heart, what you have. And do it unto the Lord and God. And, and we don't judge. You're not judged by anyone but by the Lord. And that's the beauty of it. And the word of God, of course, is our ultimate judge. And this is, I, I think this is the most beautiful picture of this. And I had never seen that before. That they didn't use exactly the same branches. <laughs> and that they weren't doing it only in one place. They were doing it everywhere. And that was okay. All was okay. God was blessed by was pleased with their obedience. So they rejoiced. And remember, rejoicing means, this re word rejoice, samach, means to express positive feelings. To express, that's what the Hebrew actually means. To, you know, we can't always rejoice, as I said last week, in our circumstances, but we can rejoice in him. We can enjoy him. And that's a decision. I can make a decision to be positive or negative. And I, I quote that fellow again with no legs in communist prison. He said, if the outlook is bad, try the uplook. Try the uplook. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with gratitude. Emptied of self-pity and of the false premise of entitlement. I'm grateful for anything 
and everything. And that's where we want to be. I have set the Lord always before me. Since he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. So my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body will rest secure. Do I want my soul to rejoice? Do I want my body to rest? There's the key right there. Psalm 16, setting the Lord always before me. Not other things, setting the Lord before me. Not expectations of others, but setting the Lord before me and him being at my right hand. And God says, there's a promise. Your heart will be glad. Your soul will rejoice. Your body will rest, will have rest, secure rest. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, rejoice always. Pray constantly in everything. Give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Messiah Yeshua. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, to dwell in the sukkah means, as we said, to settle, to dwell. And God wants us to remember and reflect. Remember our transitory, fragile state here. Uh, and we are here. We have no lasting city. No continuing city, but we seek one to come. In Hebrews 13, 14, David says, I'm a stranger, a temporary dweller on earth. Three words in Hebrew. Gar anochi ba'eretz. Ger, rather. Ger anochi ha'eretz. I'm a stranger, a temporary dweller in the earth. Psalm 119, verse, nine, verse 19. Lord, let me know my end and what is the number of my days. Let me know how short-lived I am. Let me know how short-lived I am. Behold, you made my days mere handbreadths. My lifetime is nothing before you. All humanity is but a vapor. Man is like a breath, his days like a passing shadow. Psalm 39, 5 and 6, Psalm 144, verse 4. What is your life, James said, 4.14? It's a vapor that's here for a little time and then vanishes away. That's the message of the sukkah. That's the message of the sukkah. We disconnect and we reconnect. Disconnect from everything else. Have a digital detox. Rabbi Jonathan, the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs used to call it a digital, digital detox for a week. And we reconnect to our creator, to the Lord, to our Lord. And... Uh, Praise the Lord. So, Father, we just thank you for this holiday and the lessons it has for us. We thank you that you love our, the simplicity of our childlike obedience, or our trust, and it pleases you, Lord. We thank you for the beautiful time, this beautiful time to reconnect with you, to dwell, to rest, to relax, times that we've had to rejoice because we're grateful. Help us to continue to enjoy it this weekend, Lord. A week within the sukkah green, we've sung thy boundless praise. Now ended is the autumn feast, the golden harvest days. Again, we lift up voice in prayer, O send thy blessed rain, that when another harvest comes, we may rejoice again. Bring the harvest, Lord. We thank you. Bring salvations. 
If you've never trusted Yeshua and never had the peace that passes all understanding of knowing your sins are forgiven, knowing God's love, knowing God's forgiveness, call upon him now. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm, in, I'm receiving you. I'm trusting you today. I'm making that decision to receive Yeshua, Jesus, in my heart, the Messiah of Israel, Savior of the world, into my life. Come into my life, God, and make me a new person. Give me this new start. If you're praying that today, please let us know. Contact us. Please let us know any way we can help you. Pray with someone. If you're here physically after service, someone will be with you to pray in a moment. You can just stay for a few moments and pray with them. Let them know you made that decision. We thank you, Lord. Let's stand. We're going to close in the benediction. Yisa Adonai panave lecha v'yasem lecha shalom v'shem Yeshua hamashiach sar shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and grant you his shalom. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the ruler of peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom and Chag Sameach.